Football is life, and welcome to Soccer Saturday. We have a massive afternoon of action for you today. We're here to talk about Ted Lasso Season 2, now airing on Apple TV+. My name is Tiff Armit, and I'll be your host. And sitting next to me is Mr. Unbelievable himself, Steve Lutz. Hey, it's me. Uh, I'm glad to be here for this uh, unsolicited description of dicks. (laughs) No, you can't say that. What do you mean? Of course I can. <laughs> Are you dead? You said it. And um, next to him is a man who's DM seemingly every campaign in England, including yours, Tony Sindelar. Hello, Tony. I don't know you and I don't like you. <laughs> I'm glad somebody else picked that up. Mm. Our very own team psychologist, it's Dr. Heather Berberet. Hello, Heather. Tiff, today... You are going to speak with Bether Herberet. I just want to be clear about that. Oh, no. Now, oh. let's get your act together and get going because we are already 45 minutes late. Oh, no. She's oh. meeting that gal. Oh, I'm no. a little nervous. And getting used to his new seat, Incomparable's hard man, David J. Lor. Hello, David. Leave Stutz is a Muppet. <laughs> Today, we are discussing episode three, Do the Rightest Thing. A very basic summary um, with the return of Jamie Tart. It disrupts the new vibe kind of going on that the team has built without him. So we'll kind of be seeing that. And Rebecca attempts to reconnect with her goddaughter, Nora. So uh, let's get into it. I think that the the very beginning of this episode uh, in the kind of press room that we have set up, the te- <clears throat> tent tent Corinne no Trent Corinne from the Independent he really lays out the theme of this episode and with the return of Jamie Tart will it ruin <clears throat> the vibe of the locker room that Ted has created I think that he his kind of assessment of the situation his asking this of Ted really sets up the entire episode for us sorry to jump in here but there is a pre credit sequence as well before this before the press room here where oh yeah i mean we don't oh, have to go play Alanis by play Morrison. we can just like we could just chat it up let's do this oh are were we just gonna start okay sorry i didn't realize yeah. we were doing the sparse plot description <laughs> uh no no i was just gonna mention that uh, that initially ted walks in to find nora at the receptionist desk which i didn't even realize there was a receptionist desk because i'm not sure there's ever been a receptionist there right previously. nobody's ever paused I do greatly enjoy, though, when there are people walking around in the background a la Star Trek to prove, yes, this is a functioning starship <laughs> slash soccer club. So, But uh, yes, so we're introduced to Nora and she's uh, she's quite a little spark plug. Very much like her mom, Sassy, who, uh, if we remember, slept with Ted earlier in the previous season. So we kind wait, of have that wait. return a little bit, which is, is great. Is she Ted's? <laughs> 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 that actually that, was a very good joke. I thought that yeah, was a good not great at math, way to go, people, Ted. Right? Well, and I appreciate too that her response is, "Ted, we yeah. had sex six months ago." Never mind the thirteen <laughs> years of that child's life that has happened in the interim. So I, I uh, think I think my favorite moment in that whole sequence is you know after he leaves and Rebecca says, "Was he like that the whole?" and and Sassy's like, "Oh yes, he was. He was eager to please, and he was just like that. It was fabulous." Right. Oh. And then Rebecca like has to spit out her <laughs> yeah. biscuit because yes. she can't write yeah, really. Like, she Sassy can't tolerate to ruin the biscuit. Yeah. Right, the image of Ted having sex, no. right? So <laughs> she's like, okay, I can't go there. We're I done for now. Me, it's the image of Ted having sex while continuing his down home homily stream. Yes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Though is when horribly disturbing. When Nora What's replied the word, Mary Bird? Oh, no, with no, his no. 
when Nora replied with the same on the same humor that Ted has, right? Because he's like shoe fly, and she's like, oh, I've never, I mean, horse fly. I've never seen a horse fly. That that was great. Just we got so much of who Nora is just in those few lines. It was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. And writing. I appreciate too that uh, that when he she, she says never seen a horse fly, I saw a horse pee once. That was a lot. And he says noisy too, and she chuckles at that. So she's you know she's she's a surly teen, but she appreciates his she, humor. She so gets she's not, he knows. She's pretty this. chill for a surly teen. Well, it's true. It's yeah. true. And, and she's and very she's quick-witted too. Three. They're setting up that she's a smart cookie, right? Like, right. I hate. Oh, I hate that term. Why do I even say that? I, it's like, setting up that she's a very smart person. Yeah, <laughs> but she's and, and she's I think actually, over there they'd say a sharp biscuit. Oh, there we go. There sharp is not true. <laughs> so she's a is pointy that any biscuit. <laughs> is that any better than cookie? I don't know. I think maybe not. <laughs> but I, yeah. I like that she is a little uncomfortable around her mother, which we'll see sure later on. Um. But she, yep. she totally once, once. I mean, we'll get to where Rebecca finally breaks the ice. But once, once they make that connection, uh, they're thick as thieves, which is lovely. Right. I will say she's about two or three clicks too precocious for a thirteen-year-old. She's yes. got a little bit too much sharp-tongued wit slash world awareness, you know, for that age. But I, I do enjoy her a lot, and I really like the interaction she has with the other characters. It's just she's not an enormously realistic thirteen-year-old depiction. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's right. She reminds me much more of my fifteen-year-old than I was. Yeah, I was when my fifteen-year-old was thirteen. Like at first, I didn't realize who she was, and until obviously, it's like, oh, that's Nora. Uh, and I was like, but I thought she was thirteen. Hmm. But you know, at the same time, she's growing up with a very hyper, um, hyperlexic mother who talks a lot, is very witty, is very snarky. So it makes sense. But yeah, she seems she seems fifteen or sixteen, right? But she definitely falls in with the cast perfectly. Like it, yeah. it, oh, yeah. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. De- it. She doesn't stick out as like a child. She look she she acts like an ensemble and member of the like cast already, and it's like way. the very first episode. It's almost like they wrote her like that. It's uh, speaking of the shortbread, I know it's a whole thing, but isn't it sort of weird now that they're all friends that he still cooks it for her every night? Like, isn't that just a hair exploitative on her part to continue <laughs> accepting that? I think he would not stop if she demanded it. I, don't know. So, yeah. I wondered this. I wondered if they were setting it up because how perfect now for some morning he doesn't bring it. And that, of course, is going to have enormous significance and meaning. Right. So he has to bring it every time until the day he doesn't bring the biscuit. And then, mm, you know, all I, hell will break loose. I bet you in the divorce papers, it said he wouldn't stop baking me cookies. <clears throat> the The thing about this episode in general, like as an overall idea, I feel like this is the first episode we feel like it's really the show is coming back. Uh, The first two, I felt like the first one was very um, well, you know, Bob. uh, And then the second one was a little bit still left over of like explaining things. I feel like this episode really feels like we're kind of back in the Ted Lasso universe a lot more than we were the first two. Well, it's it's interesting you say that because yesterday morning after it after it dropped, uh, Brendan Hunt tweeted a, a little sequence where he explained that with the first season they they didn't quite know this until late in the game, but Apple dropped the first three episodes all at once, and so they were expecting Apple would do that again this time. So they wrote these three episodes to be watched in a single binge hmm. on the day they dropped, which makes a whole lot of sense. That does if, make a lot more sense. If Absolutely. you watch it that way, it does feel like a longer movie and the pacing, it you know, there's a slight shift in the pacing <laughs> without them doing anything just because you're watching it all at once. And uh, yeah, so it was like, that's 
that's kind of interesting. You know, yeah, it would be nice if they said too, Tiff, on that yeah. on that front. I, I, first episode I thought was just okay. It felt a little more like, hey, we're going to do the Ted Lasso things. Here we go, and there's Ted doing Ted, and there's here's the big heartfelt speech that comes out of nowhere from the gruff hard man. And the second episode felt like, okay, we're finally kind of getting back to things. And this episode, uh, for the for the most part, I feel like really <clears throat> felt like we were back in a Ted Lasso episode. I got my issues with the episode, but but I think this was really where I, it started to pick up steam again. Uh, which is good because I, I was not horribly fond of the first two. But then that said, I also, I, I the pilot didn't particularly grab me either. It wasn't until the second or third episode of the first season yeah. until I really felt like, you know, okay, this got, it's, it has its hooks into me and I have to keep watching until I die. Yeah, if I were <laughs> editing this show, I'd throw away the entire first episode of the second season. I'd be like, you're gone. Like, that's it. Uh, the only reason it is there is to introduce the new um, team uh, team psychologist to like... Right bring her into the into the group and like why she's there other than that totally just it's it's just terrible <laughs> i'm sorry like i'm just said, gonna say it watch, it's terrible watch them all three together it really right so i think that that's gonna feel. change my mind yeah if yeah, i like binge I, it i mean i don't I think like it will for me but <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to be positive here but it's fair no it, it's entirely <laughs> possible when i go back and rewatch, which i absolutely will because i've watched the first season like four times now yeah um, same that 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 I feel differently about it, and obviously expectations were set super high for that first episode coming in, and it just didn't really do much for me. And maybe some of it's just that. So we'll see. Well, and certainly, and you know, maybe as a as a single unit, that changes things too. But it just it felt. I agree, and, Tiff. It felt like wasted time to me. <laughs> see, part of it to me, I think it was a conscious choice to say yes. A, we're going to do all the basic stuff for anyone who's just coming into it new. Uh, but also, we're going to do all the basic stuff and bring in this one new element that doesn't like any of the basic stuff, right? That's the psychologist. And it's to, to just sort of play her off against, hey, it's the Ted Lasso we all love. And who's this person who doesn't like any of this stuff? That's weird. But see, so that I, worried me, too, because this episode, I mean, this this series has generally not fallen into the tropes of a typical sitcom. And that right. is something very right. much that a typical sitcom would do, introduce a foil for Ted that's going to be a prickly pain in his ass for the entire entire but, season. But and see, so, they're, already, they're already working against that. Absolutely, though, because, absolutely. You know. and, and, and I was just going to say that she's, she's already softened and she's already proven herself to be you know much more of a... a, a a deep character than she was made out to be in that first episode and less of just right. a, a straight up foil to Ted. And, and that's great. But I'm just saying contextually within just the first episode, her introduction rankled me too, you know? So. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I wish, I wish Apple had said, yeah, we're just going to put these out one at a time because they would have, they would have shaped it differently. Right. Well, the other thing that I would say as, as, far as these three episodes together goes um where the season falls down a little for me so far in comparison to last is that last season the whole thing was ted's the fish out of water mm. and everyone else they're weird foreigners who <laughs> thinks he's weird or incompetent uh you know so we we spent most of our time with ted you know we move into his apartment with him we have beers with him and beer just the two of them discussing life 
Uh, you know, we see him being bummed out about his failing marriage, etc., etc. This season, we're spending most of our time with the other characters. I mean, a lot of the first couple of episodes is chilling at home with Roy and Keeley, you know, so <laughs> all we see of Ted is that sort of cheerful external face of his and his, his homilies and his pop culture references. And without, without the background material to balance it, it comes off as the unrealistic caricature that it was in the ESPN commercials. And so... You know, it's 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 become less and less throughout the first three episodes, but that just as an overarching issue that I've had is that's probably my biggest beef so far. I also find that like this season, Ted's references, uh, his references and his idioms, they just kind of like steamroll the entire dialogue. And a lot of times it brings things to a halt. Like, wow, Ted said something weird. There's really nothing we can all say to that. (laughs) And then everyone kind of moves on. It feels so out of place, whereas before, like you said, it was like a quirky thing that he was like the foreigner and he's like this new person and he's trying to get everyone to like him. Everyone already likes him now. And it's just a I'm having a hard time getting into this entire season until this episode where I feel like now some of these things have more of a place. Um, I like seeing Rebecca with Nora. Like there's a a thing going on there in this episode where she's trying to uh, reconnect with her. And then we also have the challenge of now that Jamie Tart is back in the locker room, kind of the team seeing a way, like finding their way uh, and exploring this new teammate who they thought they had lost or happily lost because that he was such a, um, a thorn in everyone's side and how now Ted is going to like marry these two teams and emulsify like ma- and emulsify this relationship, like kind of back into the team. <laughs> I know. Gross, right? yeah. <laughs> Science. Emulsification uh, <laughs> again. And his, his way of doing this is introducing this lead Tasso character. Mm, um, yeah. And they kind of put it in some of the previews as like yeah. a thing. And it lasted like two seconds. And it, it, yeah. it was, it was over. They kind yeah. of like use it as a little tiny, plot point it was like one scene and that was really all we got of it right but i i do think i will i will put money on this now we'll come back to it when the season's over um because the first season i i you know having gone through it a few times i love how carefully crafted and constructed the whole thing is they set things up they set up the panic attack in episode seven in the first episode and i didn't realize that till the third time through it was like oh there's the sound right and it doesn't get attention for that because it's not a mystery puzzle box show like Lost or something. Mm, but it right. really is carefully crafted. And I'm going to put money on it. I think part of Ted going overboard with these things is going to tie into uh, Sharon psychoanalyzing him a little bit and saying, why are you overcompensating? Everybody I, likes you now. I would What's wrong? But So I should say, by the way, that I, I don't dislike chilling at home with Roy and Keeley. I love these characters. So. Oh, yeah. That's that stuff's all great. It's just that you know Ted, I think, as a character is, and and as sort of the heart of the show, is sort of falling down as a result of it. So, I wonder we if that isn't on. a little deliberate, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely, because by presenting Ted exactly the same, it's created for us the desire to want more from him, and we also get unexpectedness from Rebecca when she sticks with Sam. With you know, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of in the moment just expected her to do the corporate thing. And we see Sam standing up and we see Jamie taking a a knee kind of really, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a bit of a setup. We see all these other characters having some real shifts and we're seeing Ted be the same. And so I'm curious about that. I think that's 
Might be really good well, writing. Yeah. Especially with like, they're about to be tested in some new way uh, as a team. And they're kind of uh, feel good. Everyone's part of a family friendship. Uh, everyone is honest and open with each other. How does that work when it's like you are also a professional sports team with a big corporate sponsor and like you, you need money and the people there, <laughs> everyone here is being paid a bunch of money. And this doesn't, you know, if our big sponsor pulls out, like we don't, we, we can't, we can't, we can't, uh, you know, we can't just put friendship on the front of the jersey. That doesn't, um, <laughs> you know, it doesn't well, sell. It's um, like the speech uh, Beard had last season where, where he mm-hmm. says, you know, damn it, it does matter, Ted. Yeah, because they're not, it's, they're not right. amateurs. Yeah. It's not just about making the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, it, yes, it is a triumph when they do become the best versions. But, yeah, they also need corporate sponsors. They sure. also need the money that comes from a Premier League to pay the Premier League contracts. Yep. Right. And it's, you know, there's, it, it's, I mean, they're, they're obviously building towards something. But, you know, at the, the very last episode of season one, Ted, you know, Ted gives the, the, the rousing speech about how we're going to win the whole thing. And here we are, uh, you know, what, eight games in, and they have finally broken their tie streak by losing, uh, <laughs> but they're winning nothing. Uh, and I, I don't know how soccer seasons work and if they can turn it all around and if the math no. still works, whatever. Uh, I don't care. I'll believe whatever they tell me. Uh, but, you know, it, at least people they're not are stuck happy. in the same rut now. They've yeah. dug themselves into a <laughs> yeah. deeper rut. Yeah, right. a deeper rut. That's just right now. It's just a hole, Steve. Until until that hole continues, well, it's not fair point. Um, yeah, you can't yeah. you can't make a, a rut with two points or one. No, point. it's, it's got to be two. I love the idea that the, the the better they are as people and the more cohesive they've become as a team and friendly at everything, they're just at a tie. It's yeah. just a draw for eight weeks. But and and they are happy that they break it, even though they lose. But mm-hmm. Still, that's that is kind of a weird thing, you know, when you have equilibrium and it's literally just no, we're perfectly well matched and even done. Does anyone know what ties do in terms of ranking in British football? Like, do they no idea. do they progress on? Does it mean is it equal to a lose? Like, are they heading for playoffs or anybody know? for a show about football. Oh, okay. Just, well, especially it seems like given I just I assume that it is not in that Ted's in, incentive here is to return to Premier League status. Uh, it seems like they are nowhere near that trajectory, right? Uh, right. True. So they're they're pretty Logical far away from his. Uh, yeah, uh, but you know, but if the show tells me if they win these next three games, they can go up. I'll be like, okay, I don't know anything about soccer except what this show has shown me, so I'll believe it. All right. So um, in World Cup, apparently, for every win, a team earns three points and a tie earns one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. and so at least they're earning all, something. They're it's all balanced against other teams when sure. losses ties, and and the season is long. So yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you think about, it, there's eight other teams points. that have ties now. Also, yes, that's right. So. Yes. Uh, I want to talk about tie for ties. Mm. (laughs) Um, I do want to pick apart a little bit the whole, um, the changing of, of Jamie Tart. I feel like it was really fast. Like we're already in episode three and, or I should say we're only in episode three and he's already kind of like the, uh, the poster boy for, for teammatehood or or (laughs) being a team player and like being this good person all of a sudden when he was so not a good person. I mean, we saw trickles of it in the first season, but I feel like I would have liked a little bit more of a struggle for Jamie than already I'm, he's like 
right on it with everyone. Like I'm willing to believe that the thing. show will have us maybe a hill backslide or, or that stuff sure. will happen and they will show us that. Cause yeah, I don't know. See, I, I think perhaps uh, other folks reacted to this episode a lot more positively than I did. I, I thought it was a little paint by numbers at times. Uh, Cause it did seem like we started with he's back. He gives his apology. It's basically kind of rejected by people. He has the plan to uh, buy everyone PS fives, which is a very, very, even, you know, even reform Jamie Tart, a very Jamie Tart idea. Um, and that's what inspires Led Tasso to appear. And then he does the one big, uh, big gesture with uh, kind of backing up Sam that leads the way for the other, other folks. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that can't be done. It, so is he in or has he just made one step that has been accepted? I guess we don't know yeah. yet. Um, I, I think it's just one step because yeah. yeah, I mean, he is still himself, right? He's still like, you know, when he finally does sit down with Sharon, it's like, so I just get to sit here and blather on about myself. Nice. Right. Well, you know, and even still... the going to Keely was a pretty self-aware moment for him. Yeah. By Jamie Tart. By Jamie Tart standards. Keely. Like, yes. like all last season, oh. he went to her when he had issues, which which yeah. was I, certainly a, a form of therapy for him, you know, clearly. Yes. But, but, um, and and I would say and, being and, and on the, a, sorry, a national, ahead. well, being on a national reality show about sex and romance, and having been rejected in front of the country, that's going to be devastating to someone like him. That's right? why I buy it. I think that yeah. was a really powerful motivator. Yeah. I think it crushed him. And then um, he had a talk with Keeley, and then he had a talk with the psychologist. And I think, you know, it's been hammered home in a pretty big mm-hmm. way. But I wouldn't mind seeing him grovel longer either. Okay, absolutely. I'm, sure <laughs> I'm down for Jamie groveling. Well, that's part of the problem done. of having that first episode take up so much airtime, right? Because mm-hmm. what do we got? Ten episodes again this season? Does anybody no, know? No, it's, I think it's 13, I believe. 13. 13. Okay, well, that's yeah, a little better. But, but still, that's a fairly short, you know, series. Mm-hmm. So... To, to eat up that whole first episode when you could have been uh, introducing more of Jamie Tart sort of sure. slowly yeah. well, and, working you know, his way back to decency. We are seeing Jamie Tart at his lowest. He got kicked off his reality show. He lost all basically all his income. His agent, his agent let, basically got, said, cut him hey, off. Done. Right? So he has nothing. What happens to him as soon as he gets like a little taste of something again? Right? Right. Sure. Um, right. You know, like and- he, it's it's easy to be his super nice guy when he has nothing else. Or, not easy, but it, it is easy to believe that that is something he is willing to do when he has nothing. What happens when he gets a little bit taste of the you know the whole the lifestyle that built him yeah. up before? I also, um, I also think Jamie as a bully, and I think he got he's gotten his way mm-hmm. his whole life. No one's been willing to stand up to him because he's mean and he's aggressive and he's the best player in the field and he got all the girls. And I think this might be that, the, that, you know, that locker room scene where they're like, they stare at him and then they kind of kick a man when he's down on the field. That might be the first time that he's ever experienced that. And that's a pretty powerful thing to go, Oh, I do not have my mojo anymore. Yeah. What am I going to do? Right. And even the scene and where I, he I goes love- to Keeley is after he gets slide tackled by Sam and he's like, why don't they like me? Why are they being babies? I'm here. I'm actually going to score points. They're not going to win without me. What's their problem? Uh, so he, you know, he is not internalized some, some things that he has to internalize, and, right? And that's why it's beautiful that his first game back, they lose. Yep. Right? That's, uh-huh. That is intentional. And we see nothing. I thought it was, I mean, some of it is just a, a, a budgeting thing. Some of it's an economy of storytelling. I thought it was interesting that we see literally nothing of the game, right? We have the... the so, well, some of it's also COVID shooting. 
Yeah. They're, they're uh, so we, we have the them taking off their jerseys, or not jerseys, their warm-up stuff, and the jersey, and then it's like cut to a uh, press conference with uh, with Ted. So, um, I don't know. I love that this was a Sam episode. Uh, I feel like Sam was a character that we got just little bits of in season one, and so it was great to get so much more of him in uh, in this season. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I, yeah. I loved the the moment when when they're in the practice, and Ted calls Jamie over and says, "You know, I, you're going to go on the reserve team. Uh, we want to see you earn your way back." And and he says, "Oh, that's a great idea, Coach. You know, uh, it'll be heartwarming for them to see someone win their way back with natural God given talent." And he goes off and and he says to Beard, "Do you think do you think he heard me? I do. Do you think he'll listen?" I do not. And that's that's going to come back. That's going to come back. So in addition to this episode being Jamie's crawl back into the team, um, we see Rebecca crawling back into Nora's life. Mm-hmm. And I like that we get to see this side of Rebecca where she is kind of out of touch with kids. And it ends up being um, Roy, who kind of guides her in the right way. Roy seems to be Rebecca's guiding light through this yeah, Roy's, season Roy's already. A, like a couple times now, he's helped her out. And he is a I like this new relationship Yoda. they have together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've never seen this that pairing before, and we're seeing it much, much more. I see that like they're developing the relationship between Rebecca and Roy even more and mm-hmm. i'm very curious where that's gonna go it's almost a friendship not quite it's 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 very strange it's i mean well i mean because it's not i mean it's not a, a it's, it's just because they're mainly connected through other people they're connected through keely right um right. and even you know when when they kind of exchange look outside the doll shop it's like i guess we are people that should talk to each other um <laughs> but possibly also we are not people that have had a lot of conversations um but we I'm, have I'm important a, people in common among us that we care about. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the uh, the unexpectedly incisive observation too, but I'm starting to worry now that Roy has a little too much deep wisdom. <laughs> Maybe it's just that he's he's too aware of mm-hmm. his deep wisdom rather than sort of accidentally unleashing I, it in a torrent of. They obscenity. balanced it for me with because I was I was fearing with the the uh, Roy on the the soccer, soccer talk show that he was going to be like you know maybe Jamie's not all bad and he can come back and it's like no <laughs> Jamie is a moppet he's the worst ever and he's garbage I love Roy on TV um, so, oh, yeah. yeah Roy on TV is so wonderfully harsh it's perfect that's my favorite part of this whole episode so there is yeah, no, I mean he is a man of, he is a man of wisdom by the host, but also anger all he has to give back is that is that just yeah. death stare that he turns and gives that's my favorite yeah. thing in and either season so far <laughs> and then the immediate follow-up well said roy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i just laughed and laughed i watched that like 15 times over and over again because <laughs> it's it's perfectly timed it's mm-hmm. the com the comic timing in that scene they yeah. just leave it on that stare for exactly long enough and it's just it's hilarious i don't know wisdom and anger is an interesting mix so you know, Roy Kent may have too much wisdom, but that's okay. Bring it on. I will watch him all day long. Mm-hmm. He just well, tickles my funny bone, and I just appreciate that character and the acting and the execution so much. I'm well, good with him. If if you uh, dip into romance land in Twitter, romance writers are like, there's got to be a romance writer on that staff because Roy is a perfect romance novel hero. 
right? He's kind of flawed. He's kind of tough. He's kind of sexy. He's kind of wise. And he's he just also happens and to be And he's great with kids. Don't forget that. And he's that. great with kids, you know. <laughs> so, but, but yeah. He calls them little whole, bastards and whatnot, but he's The little he's relationship real good between him and Keeley is straight out of a, a really good rom-com romance novel type thing. And and the more I'm watching, I'm like, yeah, I, maybe there is. Maybe there are p- at least romance fans because they're hitting they're hitting it really well. But romance writers are convinced of it. I'm really concerned about Roy's voice in this season. It's <laughs> oh, so yeah, much it's gruffer. So like, does he is he what okay? Is he is, <laughs> is, he is Roy gets okay? up every day and gargles a hot glass of gravel. He's a lozenge place. He's a lozenge. He used to be afraid of completely expressing his gruffness, but now that Mm. he's with Keeley, he's free to express the complete depth of his gruffness. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just feel like you just give... Yeah, give your voice a break, man. Like, stop yelling for like 10 (laughs) seconds. Like, we just... Where's, I, where's Roy's voice gone? I will throw in a pitch for Brett Goldstein's podcast, Films to be Buried With. It is freaking delightful. And he is so, I mean, he is very much Roy Kent, but he is so not Roy Kent. He is a big old schmoop. It's just hilarious. <laughs> well, the question is, does he talk that way in normal life? A little bit. Yeah. He, like he does sometimes, like someone will say, oh, here's a movie I love. And he goes, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> but most of the time he's, he's just like this. It's great. Oh, boy. Yeah, I think my issue with with what I'm worried about for Roy is that he's expressing these things so eloquently right now, and it's specifically he's saying that kids just want to feel a part of adults' lives and they don't need a parade. Is that day. is that true? Uh, no, uh, not at all. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, actually, if I said I, to my daughter, "Do you want to come to work with me all day?" Well, not that she could because of what I do, but do you want to come to work with me all day? It might be really boring with meetings. She'd be like. Get out of my room. What are you even doing? <laughs> How old is your daughter, though, if you don't mind me She's asking? 15. She's okay, 15. well, that's a little different than a six-year-old. So, but, <laughs> yes. but, but, but but Rebecca's response to that is to take the 13-year-old and do that to her, and she's <laughs> down with it. So, you know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's the same issue. But I, I think a large part of Roy's deal so far, at least in the previous season, is that he has some trouble expressing himself. And now he's just dropping these pearls right and left, and it's like, mm. yeah, you know, there's yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of of hundred well not hundred eighty degrees but several degrees character turns that have happened in the time between season one and two. Sure. Like Nate's kind of a dick now, which yep. really sort of bothers me. Um, I don't like that either. I, yeah, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in that. Yeah, yeah, and, and my, this feels like Anderson that a little bit to me. Said too. I thought he was better than that. Yeah, it's especially, I mean, just him being a jerk to the guy, the gopher that had his job, or the kit man, I guess. It's like, mm, it feels like that. I mean, I know the show is going somewhere with that, but mainly it's like, you know, no one says anything. Uh, like that's Yeah, is, that's the problem yeah, I have. Right? Like, why doesn't, I don't think it's wh- completely out of the ordinary for someone who's, you know, always been... Uh, sort of Put trod upon. upon and bullied yeah. to when he's given a little sure, bit of power. Sure, a little bit of power. But why is it... Beard or but someone why, yeah. saying like, yeah, we don't exactly. do that, right? Like, hey, think about how you felt. That's not how this works. Um, like, yeah, Nate, yeah. Nate Ted, be Ted might be polite, but Beard would totally be like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and they've yeah. also let go of Nate's like brilliant tactical mind, right? So we've right. had yeah. three episodes and he hasn't come up with another play or he's, he doesn't even get on the field. He just stands there with the rest of them. And I think that's kind of a bummer because I like the yeah. idea that this, this guy, super brilliant at football, right? and just gets untapped because of how people perceive him. So maybe that'll change. Mm-hmm. Keep my fingers crossed. Hope so. Yeah, there's a lot of little threads moving this season. 
which it which is sometimes unfulfilling at times because they're probably going to start to we're only three episodes in and they will start to play out later but yeah that one is one that like i just don't really like seeing even if i know they're going somewhere with it because it's you know i don't know you like you 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 like him and it's it was i don't know one of my favorite scenes is when he he orders the martini and like spits it out because he has never had one before and it's awful um But and just, just like, and I, hated, I believe hated, hated last season when when uh, Ted was briefly awful to him. Yes, when he was sliding the envelope under his hotel room door, and fortunately, the very next scene, he you know Ted apologizes profusely yeah, for that right. and makes it right. right. We've been going three episodes now. Yeah, with and I'm kind of totally him. willing to believe he is. It has gone to his head. I just don't like it. Uh, yeah. Slash, it feels it. It's weird because it feels antithetical to other themes in the show. Um, sure. And like, I, for example, there, there, I, I would be more willing to believe a version of like, what if he was obsessive about how the kit man should be doing the job and like, you know, the shoes have to be exactly right here or something like that, but not, I'm going to yell at you and, and belittle you and you can't leave early. And why did you change anything yeah. with you? Like that just, it, eh, it doesn't work for me, I guess. And, and I, I'll take it back. Maybe Ted wouldn't be polite. Ted would might maybe sit, sit him down and say, Hey, remember when I was rude to you? For no good reason. Sure. Because, I mean... It, that's even more in line with Ted. Yeah, because Ted would want to pull him up, right? He, he would want to, just yeah. as he's trying to elevate yeah. the athletes to be better athletes, uh, he wants to elevate Nate to be a better assistant coach or whatever his role is. And he seems to be but, like, I don't know, then, he's got a lot going on. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I will know, just this, say this... the Led Tasso thing didn't really work for me either <laughs> in terms of... Well, well, I guess the show wants us to believe that he was actually in some kind of fugue state. Uh, that, that, no, uh, that's just, I don't that's, know. No, I think that's it was just between him and Beard. Okay, that's yeah. a joke for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, I just like, but it, uh, it, yeah, I don't know. The, the joke didn't work for me, I guess. Um, the, the other, well, the other thing about Nathan uh, that could be thematic is saying, you know, okay, Ted tries to elevate everyone. He's elevated the kit man into an assistant coach, but now that's gone to his head. And, you know, maybe, maybe, Ted's methods of elevating people don't always work, which is kind of interesting. I mean, Sharon says that in this episode, has has Led Tasso ever worked? And he goes, well, Chuck E. Cheese. Once at a Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. I don't once. understand their I've, explanation I've, of how it worked. I've been to that Chuck E. Cheese in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Charles Edgar Cheeston III? Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's a mouse, but also a musician, mm-hmm. and he loves video games and pizza. So, you know. The guy threw a fit and was like uh, uh, led Tasso and threw a fit, and then they got all free pizza and drinks because he yeah. was mean and ah, nasty. That's okay. the joke. Yeah. I just don't understand uh, how that all worked with the guy getting his head stuck in the machine, and I don't know. It's not really. Oh yeah, important. good point. I don't know how that fit together. I got the end of it, but you're right. Lost me in the beginning. So maybe I mean, we should before, talk more led Tasso because I'm I mean, sure like, other people uh, have thoughts. Well, before the whole in the previous season. I felt like it was Ted's job to kind of like weave everyone together. Everyone was disjointed. Everyone was having their own agendas and Ted shows up and he's trying to like unify everybody, get everyone on the same page. Like he was this, this great equalizer and he was doing this wonderful thing of bringing this team together and the management and like, and the, like everybody in, in this season, it's like Ted just kind of like dips in and out, says a weird thing and then leaves. Like, I don't see any kind of version of him bringing anyone together. Like we're talking about all of these things where Nate is off the rails with his attitude. We see kind of like mentions of Beard, like having this random relationship where he's like sleeping in the 
in the office or in the locker room. We have, uh, you know, um, what's his name? Higgins kind of like moving offices all over the place. We have Jamie, like everyone seems fragmented again. And Ted is just as fragmented as everybody else. Like we see the team getting along, like the teammates are getting along great and everyone's kind of happy and, and they all have this good attitude together. But overall, everyone's kind of splintering out of control a little bit in a really manic way that I'm not, I'm not getting those good feelings from the previous season. I'm, well, maybe, I'm, maybe the theme of this season is that we work best together when we all dislike each other. <laughs> that that's what I feel like the show is teaching us is like everyone needs to have a bad attitude and so we're all slowly going to get a bad attitude I don't know I just I'm feeling really lost in this season and I don't think a lot of people are discussing that um, from listening to the first two episodes of football's life but I overall think, I don't know I'm just I'm waiting for that Ted Lasso moment to come out and the only bit of that I got was between Rebecca and Nora I think Ted is disoriented by the presence of Dr. Sharon. I think, you know, she's always behind him, right? She keeps, they keep putting her behind him on the stands. She is someone that nobody can really read. They've given us enough to know she's a real person. Like we get the depth there with the whole bicycle and that one scene together. But I, I think her continued presence is really putting him off his game. Yes. And one of you had said earlier that there's going to be some moment where she's going to come back to him and say, why are you overcompensating? And I wonder if they aren't building to that. That's pretty, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, he's just off, think, right? He yeah. just is off. He's uncomfortable. He's anxious. He doesn't really understand how to interact with her. She is non-responsive to what works with everybody else except his wife. Maybe that's the point. Um, well, and, and by when you say that, think about one of the subplots going on already. We've got this dating app. And everybody's downloading the dating app and everybody's trying it. And Ted, they, they hang a lantern on yeah. this. Ted right. says, yeah. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking for anything. Right Imagine right. if I found and my soulmate. What would I even do? You know, and my that whole was life so would change. highlighted. Yeah. I'm like, oh. yep. yeah. No, I think there's something coming, especially with, with Ted and, uh, Dr. Fieldstone. I think there's something coming where yeah. they're going to reveal something, uh, traumatic in his uh early life and that like so much of his personality is like constructed around i don't not not a psychologist <laughs> speaking well uh, we've, it, like that we've some, heard so much about yeah. his father and yeah so i think something well yeah so i think there's something uh, traumatic coming that will be like this is why my life and outlook on life is this thing and that but is also you know is a form of i, I don't know if it's positivity but you know i guess it's positivity but built upon unprocessed trauma so yeah. You know, if there's if there's an abandonment issue, and that's why he feels so eager to please to keep everybody around him that loves him, mm. right? You know? But you, you can't know that- blame Led Tasso on uh, Doctor Fieldstone because that goes back no. a ways. <laughs> and man, it just the problem. My biggest problem with Led Tasso is it beggars belief that anybody, yes. but especially these guys that have known him for at least a year would be dumb enough to buy this out of the blue, this sudden <laughs> yeah. heel turn he's taken. And, but they all are like, they got these serious faces on. It's like, oh no, he's getting real serious mm-hmm. with this. It's like, come on, man. I, yeah, I mean, I'm willing, I don't know. I mean, they are professional sports people. They're Maybe they're like so used to being treated like garbage by uh, their coaches that it's just like something in their brain resets. But yeah, I I just, I, I was like, I don't know if I believe that they believe it, I guess. <laughs> You know, in these three episodes, the shows had just continued to have these just 
gem moments, right? Just these beautiful moments of characters together um, that are so funny and so real and so moving. Um, but the overall show, Tiff, I think you're right. It's, there's just this sense of unease and not quite fitting and not quite getting it. And I do, I think that's where Ted is too. So there, I, I wonder if there, if that's maybe, you know, so I think one explanation is it, the writing just isn't as good this year, always possible. Or all of this is to get us right in kind of Ted's emotional space. Uh, just, yeah. Things just feel really, really off because they're so hitting some other good moments. I mean, when Nora and Rebecca write that email together, oh my God. My fan. Oh, I love that. Love that. Gold, pure TV gold. I just Great loved scene. it so much. And there have been so many of those moments in these three episodes. But the overall, it just feels a little not quite right. Yeah, Ted I, lost his magic. Like, right? Everything that Ted did before was like this little magical thing. And now everything Ted's doing, nothing's working. Mm-hmm. And another another lantern, you know, where he curses when he said, when he started rooting for a tie in the final episode of last season. And now they're cursed with eight ties in a row. And and he said, why did I do that? Oh, I cursed it. Oh, yes. Good point. That's, that's sitting out there. I do think it's all intentional. I do think it's all going to be... It's all going to be fine by the end of the season. We're all going to be like, oh, we, why were we worried? Because they are so careful about crafting this. And and okay, I was lucky because I had waited until the first season was all out. And so I was able to just go, hey, zoom, see it in two days. Mm-hmm. And so you go, oh, yeah, that's great. If I were watching it at the time, I might have been like, hey, where are they going with this? I don't know about mm-hmm. this. So, you know, I... I first season gave me enough trust. The critics who have seen six episodes all say, "Oh yeah, it's fine." So yeah, I'm I mean, I I still love the show, the and yeah, I'm willing to give them the yeah same benefit of the doubt that the the pacing for 13 episodes is a little different than it was for the season one, and so yeah. it's it's playing out a little bit differently, and hopefully we'll still get to that place. But yeah, well, and, and it's and the, the pacing- curse. It's the curse of a second season with this blowout mm-hmm. first season, right? All of us oh, are coming yeah. in with these super high expectations. I think lots yes. of people binged it. I don't, I don't know what the numbers are, but I bet I would bet most people binged Ted Lasso first season rather than watching it as it dropped. And um, I do think we all come at it with just super high expectations and wanting to have all those same feels, and it's a and totally different experience, you know. This is a show that makes you feel a certain way, and you want that. And that's real. I mean, that's really hard, right? Like we want that same feeling right. again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're not going to be able to sense... get that exact same feeling. Sorry. That just maybe is not possible. You're going to get something like that, but it's going to be different because you know this show now. Uh, and, you know, it's, well, and it might yeah. be a bigger problem that I can feel the hand at the tiller trying to steer us to all the same feels. Yeah. And it, it feels a, not, not desperate necessarily, but it's, it's, it's certainly manipulative in a way that the first season never had to be. Ah, but isn't that Ted's experience right now? Mm, Desperately trying to steer us towards the same feels, and it's just not working. (laughs) We'll see. I hope so. I have. I still have faith and goodwill for this series. So yeah, yeah. Let's let's hope. And you know, I mean, I I know from trying to write in different lengths, writing when you're thinking in terms of ninety minutes is going to be way different from writing in terms of thirty minutes. And so yeah, if they if they were consciously trying to make this like a, a solid three episodes in a row 90 minute thing okay i get it you know it's your your first act is going to be paced like this your second act i mean i don't think they thought of them as individual episodes which i probably would have but you know that's just me um 
So before we wrap up, is there anything that anybody wants to kind of highlight that we might have missed in the episode? Um, For me, I do want to point out that in the end of this episode, we kind of realized that the new common enemy, which was kind of being manufactured throughout the entire episode, like, is it going to be Jamie? Is it going to be um, Ted or Led Tasso, right? These, These manufactured enemies. And really, the real enemy that kind of came out of this episode was their sponsor, and just send think- Ted over. Ted will fix that oil CEO right up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like this this common enemy that now the team has rallied around and is um, is they're going to be fighting against this. And we did set up that little moment about like the financial instability of the club. Like, will this be the common enemy kind of going forward? for the team as they try and like possibly stay afloat without this big sponsor, which now they have, you know, protested against very publicly. And, you know, will this be kind of the catalyst of like moving the team forward and like seeking this out and trying to find financial stability and all of that? Oh God, Um, I hope not. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, I have lots of thoughts on this subject. You have Rebecca saying that, you know, okay, the C, well, we we need to set this up. Sam does the photo shoot for Dubai Air. Yep. And and he's proud of it. He sends it to his father and his father goes, well, it looks great, but it breaks my heart because you don't know, but they're owned by this oil company that has turned the coast of Nigeria into a raging dumpster fire. And somehow in all the time he's been wearing that name on the front of his jersey, dad's never thought to mention that. That bothered me. Yeah, me too. Hang on. (laughs) Hang on. But, you know, okay, that's that's your, your setup. And he says, I would like to get out of the photo shoot. And Rebecca is like, well, the, the CEO of Cytherium Oil is, Sounds is a friend of Rupert's. And uh, perhaps with the name charming Richard Cole, which is a very Bart Simpson calls Moe's Bar sort of name. <laughs> well, and also I did, I did a little look into this. Dubai Air, of course, is not a real company, but Cerithian right. Oil, that whatever that word is, is actually means shell. And Shell mm. is the oh, oil company yep. that has destroyed the Nigerian coastline and refuses to clean it up. So little factoid that's, there. That's right. And and so they have this whole thing where she'll she'll get it taken care of because he's an old friend of Rupert's. And I'm going to guess that we're going to see the sponsor try to pull out and they're going to need to go to Rupert for money because mm-hmm. Rupert loves his team. And there brings the conflict and a new villain and everybody hates Rupert. Because yeah, we haven't heard from Rupert yes, this, yet this season. And that feels That's like a right. big gap. That's right. Well, that he, is he, so- he was... Didn't, didn't appear in the first three episodes of season one either. So we're due for yeah. him. You know, any, we're also setting, yeah, we're also setting up the idea of Rebecca's happiness with somebody else. Like she's kind of on the market, mm-hmm. especially with this dating app. Will Rupert come back and, mm-hmm. you know, interrupt all of that? You know, hopeful, positive stuff for Rebecca. Well, and mm. I've been thinking about what was the role of Nora here. Well, clearly Nora was about. I mean, I hope Nora comes back because she's absolutely delightful. So but oh, yep, same. She so clearly good. was here for Rebecca's character arc, right? And so, what did mm-hmm. she do? Well, she really brought. You know, there's this. You know, they they say several times a six year abandonment of Rebecca of Nora, right? Which was the time she was married to Rupert, right? So, so we see this way that Rebecca really lost herself and lost her connections and lost her relationship during her other relationships during her marriage, and Nora really brings her back to that person that I think that she was. That's what part of why I love that scene where they're crafting the email, not just because it's beautifully written, <laughs> yeah. but it's like. 
Okay. Nora's saying, here's who you really are. And Rebecca's saying, yes, that is who I really am. Let me put that in adult language, right? And then Nora <laughs> says, here's what, here's who you really are. Right, let me translate that, right? And then at the end, boss ass bitch, right? Yep. Um, so, do you think she actually signs at that? Because I, I do. I think she does. Yeah, she does. I totally think she actually totally suggests does. that she does. Because Nora's face great. was like, oh, yeah. oh, wow, you did that. Was a, that <laughs> yeah. was a great reaction, the perfect timing. No, I think, I mean, you know, Nora both kind of challenges her and like inspires her to be the person that she wants to be. And I think the person delightful. she used the person she used to be. I think yeah. I think that yes. that's much more of who she was before Rupert. So I love this idea. I hadn't even thought of that, that Rupert's coming back. Makes perfect sense because now Rebecca gets to face him not as this cowering, um, bullied, beaten down woman by this terrible guy. But she gets to kind of go toe-to-toe with him, like literally, because mm. Hannah Waddington is so Im- gorgeously statuesque um, and gets to uh, face him at, at withholding onto her whole self, right? Mm-hmm. With confidence being the uh, badass boss lady. Oh, so I'm super is, excited for that. I hope that happens. And Rupert is probably a father at this point based on how Oh, right. So past. true. Oh, that is so true. That's right. Which that's going to be complicated for a lot of other people to be around. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it I might, want that to might, happen. It might throw him off his game, too. Oh, I'm so sure I, I, having a Rebecca who's not afraid of him is going to be super No, but having a baby. Yeah. Oh, and oh, yes, a baby. Too. Yeah, yeah. I really hope you're right about this, David, uh, that it ends up <laughs> sort of shifting to be Rupert is the big bad again, because the, the, the thing that I most dislike about this episode is the sudden introduction of political activism into yes. into Ted Lasso uh, which obviously it's a thing in sports that's going on right now it's it's yeah. it's it's certainly topical um probably the biggest complaint that you hear about on-field protests is politics has infected every aspect of life this is my one respite from it and now you're bringing it in here too and i think a lot of times yeah. it ends up muddying if not turning people against the message that's on the field. I don't want to get into that because I don't want to turn this podcast into an ugly political thing. <laughs> um, and, and I really don't, you know, uh, so, so, you know, that's all well and good. You can agree or disagree with people's views on that. Um, but I definitely don't want Ted Lasso to get consumed mm-hmm. by politics well, because, and let me continue just real, real fast. Ted Lasso is a nice show that's about people being basically decent to each other. And politics is a juggernaut of divisiveness that makes people who would otherwise get along be asses to each other. And to introduce it here feels like a really bad idea. I get it makes a great character moment for for Jamie to, to reconnect with Sam, who's pointedly the only one that doesn't thank him when he gets rid of Led Tasso. And it makes a great bonding moment for the team. I just hope it doesn't become like a big through line for the show right. because that I, that has a real potential to turn a lot of people off, myself I included. Think, <laughs> I think the main thing they're going to do with it, because it isn't Sam's show. Sam isn't the star, right? But Dubai Air is a big part of the show. And I think it's mainly to bring conflict to the sponsor. I don't think we're going to hear a whole lot about the rest of that. We're just going to see how that part of it, how the Dubai Air part of it impacts the team and the finances of the team. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is a good lever to, to push to give that pressure. 
Um, but yeah, I don't want to see politic politics overwhelm the rest of the story, and and that it is a danger. We'll we'll see how they how they handle it. I also think it's really weird to threaten to get rid of Dubai Air when they have just introduced the Ted Lasso store on the Warner Brothers website with all the Dubai Air T-shirts <laughs> and the custom. Jerseys. That's interesting, but that's that. That's so they can sell you the next version of the exactly. shirt. Like, exactly, exactly. You know, sponsored by Friendship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, it did seem. I thought it was significant that we don't see evil oil CEO. So I don't think they're setting him up to be the villain. I don't think he is a, an, an entity yeah. and that it'll be more the, like, how does the team feel? And I mean, how does but the of course, guy who, brief moment on he, the how phone, does everyone he's, who's He's immediately nice, the worst man in the world. Yes, he is I the love. worst thing in the world. Uh, and Nora flips off the phone, uh, double flips off the phone, which is, that's the appropriate thing to do. Good 13 oh. year old. Uh, but Although you know, uh, how does, uh, for, I think it's Colin, for example, you know, who is now a better person, but how does he feel if, for example, he can't keep driving Lamborghinis, right? Is he still a nice person <laughs> when the when the checks stop clearing or, or whatnot? So I think it'll be more of a an internal struggle uh, than a uh, an external, yeah. or at least I hope so. Yeah. Although, as, as Anthony pointed out, um, he recognized the voice and he said, oh, that can't just be a voice cameo. He's got to show up. So right. we'll see. Yeah, I really, I, hopefully this is just a catalyst for what comes next. I, and yeah. certainly I don't mind, you know, the occasional political dig. Even in this show, they've done it a few times with Sam mentioning not being as big a fan of American imperialism as you when he's given the <laughs> Green Army Man. That's a great line. It's a, it's yes. a great dig. Uh, in this very episode, Rebecca talks about Americans' unearned sense of triumph or something, oh, <laughs> which is also a very funny line. Yeah, I loved that. I, I, I just, I fear what happens if they lean too heavy into this, and I hope it doesn't happen. But, you know, I, I my mean, mind could be changed. I, I loved that moment, even though it's just such a non sequitur in the middle of the show. But I have always hated the American Girl dolls. And so to have the British Girl dolls, and they're all orphaned by these hearts. Was it scurvy? Was right. it eaten by rats? It's, you know, it's like <laughs> nobody does the orphans factory. the way British do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great. Although it's and a little weird like, that oh, they uh, yeah. their first stop is this little princess tea house, which in America <laughs> is basically American Girl, and then they yeah. pass by oh, yeah. like the Girls of Britain store or whatever that is, which is again <laughs> American Girl. So anyway. someone really didn't like American Girl. I guess not. <laughs> so <laughs> except why Phoebe I love loves her. So I'm down with that. But but oh, her doll's only you, been canceled. Her parents were canceled. So she's from the modern line. That's her right. Parents were canceled. <laughs> So from our modern line, should we uh, wrap this up? I think... um, Let me just mention a few more things before we head out. uh, Sure. Because you did ask if we had more things to mention. Okay, okay. More things to mention. Uh, Tony already highlighted this in his introduction, but I love, love the round of sincere apologies from Jamie, which are not accepted and Mm -hmm. turn into this huge hubbub when uh, I forget the captain's name, but he says, you got us relegated, mate. Isaac. Yeah, Isaac, that's right. And in the midst of all the hubbub, you can hear the Dutch guy saying, I don't know you, but I yep. don't like you. That's just, that's, yep. It's he's not being there, rude. He's just being no. Dutch. Yep. I love that. It's, it's just a great little follow on from the first episode. So that made me laugh and laugh. Um, in the category of Hannah Waddingham appreciation, um, the scene where she asks Nora if she wants to watch a scary movie and then asks if they want to do take your goddaughter to work day the next day. And she agrees and looks happy about it. When she closes the door, the expression on her face uh, as it turns from, well, that's shocking, and then just sheer unbridled happiness, and you almost see like tears coming on, is just a really nice bit of acting. 
You know, I'm so glad you called that out because it's such a real moment. I have had that look on my face when my daughter's like, do you want to play Uno, Mom? Uh, Yes! So, yeah, good job, Steve. That was a great, beautiful, authentic moment. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. and and just so wonderfully acted. She's... I love the fact that she's been highlighted so much more this season because she was a huge highlight for me of the first season and, and to see her get more chance to shine here. Is- and then we haven't really talked about it, but Keely is pushing this weird app called Banter. Uh, is that like Grinder? <laughs> Which? <laughs> oh my God, that was such a good line. And That's the whole line. room looks at him like, oh, look. okay. Oh, didn't know that about you, Colin. <laughs> you could, could have said Tinder, but you didn't. Well, um. The idea, of course, being, you know, that uh, instead of yeah. sending pictures of everybody, people will get to know each other via their words. I just wanted to point out that uh, there's a scene at, towards the end um, when they're at the game and uh, Nora and Rebecca get the message back from Dick Hole <laughs> about fine, you can keep Sam Abisanya. And then she immediately turns to banter and Keely looks in and says, oh, banter is horrifying, huh? I just wanted to point out that the people on her phone, the profiles that have been suggested to her by banter are named Go Honey, Horn Dog, Ginger Professor, Horny underscore Dude, Male Legend 1, Camel Case, for some reason, (laughs) Wet underscore Bone 69, and then the much more unassuming Born This Way. So, uh, yes. I'm so glad we extended the show for that. Thank you so much. Keely, in answer to your question, banter is horrifying. (laughs) And then what makes it worse is that they show Rebecca's finger hovering over over the screen as though she can hardly decide which dish from this bountiful cornucopia she wants to sample first. (laughs) It's just disturbing as all hell. Banter. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you called those out because I was curious what those were, but had not gone back to take the time to read them. So thank you very much. Got sure. it. Yeah. yeah. Anyone right. else have explicit screen grabs that they would like to discuss? <laughs> Bring that oh, disturbing hang on. To you. No. <laughs> well, they did the they, folder. She, she did Google uh, Rupert last season and come up with a couple of good autocomplete suggestions, but I already mentioned those in the previous oh, season. Yeah. So, you know, go back and listen <laughs> to the previous episode if you want to hear about that. And I, I again, I love the detail they put into the the show. I mean, just all the graffiti on the seats that gets magically wiped away in the opening credits. It's oh, all that. relevant and it's all beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone, we all good now. Um, good. You know, I got it's a few official. more things. <laughs> No, I'm good. See, this isn't going to be edited. (laughs) So very much like Rebecca says towards the end, um, I'm going to insult something and then try it because I'm a good friend. I feel like that's how we treated this episode. (laughs) We're going to insult it, but we're going to keep on going because we're a good friend. So um, I would like to thank our... I don't know. Sometimes I call you a team. Sometimes it's a crew. Sometimes it's a panel. Um, Thank you, David, so much for joining us. Don't ever settle for fine. <laughs> uh, Dr. Heather, thank you so much for for joining us today. My pleasure. Lovely to talk to you guys. It's great. Uh, Mr. Tony, thank you. Uh, thank you for setting boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried to set boundaries. Yeah. No, that's dumb. Yeah. Well, we didn't. We didn't get into the little air hole nub, so she successfully pulled that. <laughs> oh, there, there we go. <laughs> thank you, and Steve. Steve, thank you for breaking my boundaries. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. You know I love to do that. You know, it's uh, I'm very picky about women, but women are also pretty picky, too. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, Football is Life will be back next week with a whole new team to discuss episode four. 